Broadcasting from a remote corner of the front office of Grave Diggers Local 16, it's Six Foot Plus, the podcast of music and more for those who like it spooky. Oh man, are we ever running late. So buckle up and get down, six foot down, and beyond, as we're taking the fast lane into October and into this episode of Six Foot Plus, a walk on the creepy side of music. Episodes pop up Fridays over at sixfootplus.com, on iTunes, and on mobile smartphone apps. It doesn't matter how you listen to it, so long as you do. But if you want to help out, why, you can leave a rating, you can write a review, and you can nominate the show for awards. The Sounds Like an Earful pod nods are a great place to give Six Foot Plus a little boost in notoriety. Head on over to bit.ly slash number six F-T-N-O-D, Six Foot Nod. Read the categories and nominate Six Foot Plus in the one that you think it fits best. And while you're there, nominate some of your favorite horror podcasts. Killer POV, Slasher Cast, Screamcast, The Midnight Horror Show, Monster Kid Radio, and all those other podcasts that I haven't mentioned. And hey, if there's a podcast that I haven't mentioned that you think I should be listening to, hit me up on all those social media sites. Facebook.com slash Six Foot Plus, 
Six Foot Plus podcast on Instagram, and on Twitter, it's at Six Foot Plus. It's also at Six Foot Plus on that new Ello site. But goddamn if I don't know how to use it yet. If it doesn't turn out to be another Google Plus, you can find us there. Number six, FTPLUS. Hello, I'm driving this episode, and I am a frantic driver with six points on its license, and I'm taking the exit to 95 and going 100. That's miles, not kilometers, because it's six foot plus, and I am Strange Jason. Hello. After an uncharacteristic second break in about three weeks, we're running a bit behind schedule here in the remote corner of the front office of Gravediggers Local 16. Yes, we had goblins. Goblins infesting the recording booth, and well, they were highly intelligent and quite personable, each with their own distinct personality and different likes and dislikes. It was quite nice to get to know them individually, one by one, and to learn more about their cultures, their way of life, and what kind of circumstances led them to occupy my remote corner. This was an eye-opening experience for yours truly, one that really expanded my world, and it gave me a lot to think about. And I thought about it deeply as the experiment showed up because, well, you know, goblins. Please, you've seen Troll 2, dear listener. You know what I'm talking about. You just can't have goblins running around this place. Although, as I reflect on it now, I see I really have to work on my conflict resolution skills to somehow work through my problems without resorting to the use of poisons, traps, and flamethrowers. This whole goblin episode meant that there was no episode last week, and I'm not too thrilled because we're already into October and I am running far behind. So to make up for it, we've got a lot on this show. Monster Matt Patterson somehow survived the exterminator's visit, and I'm sure that means that along with Cher and cockroaches, bad monster jokes will be one of the few things that can outlast a nuclear Armageddon. Let's see if you can survive this week's installment of the Monster Matt Minute. We also have killer cuts from Craig Chaos on this episode, and another edition of Heather Buckley's Oddscurities. But now, let's get into the music. This is a request from Undead Jed on Twitter. He thinks it's the season for Psychobilly, and we do not disagree. It's time to put on your best jacket, grab a cup of your favorite hot thing to drink in the cold, and listen to some good old monster rock and roll. Like this song from Zombie Ghost Trade, Monster Rock and Roll.
is Anka. And this is Pat. And, and we're, we're the, the Long, Long Losts. Lost. Be sure to pick up our new album, Scary Songs to Play in the Dark, over at thelonglost.com. And you're listening to Six Foot Plus. Hola, señorita. A beber para todos los mis amigos. Wild Psychobilly, Banana Metallic. They're going to be in Canada in the latter half of October. From the 21st to the 25th, they'll be playing the Great White North. So catch them if you can. It's their only 2014 North American appearance before they return to tour Europe in support of their upcoming Funeral March release. Or I think that's what the deal is. I can never really learn French. Couldn't get a grip on it. I barely have a grip on English and I'm using three hands. Three! Don't ask where the third one comes from. Let's just say I've decided to really get into American Horror Story this time around. Freak Show! Did you watch it? Yeah, it was okay. Scary Clowns and Jessica Lange and David Bowie. That's from the guy who made Glee. If you want to support a real American freak show, be sure to support Coney Island. In fact, I hope to pop down there for their creep show at the freak show event later this month. Since we're talking about unusualities and rare goods, let's delve into the crypt of chaos with killer cuts from Craig Chaos. Before we get into K4, let me tell you about Craig Chaos. Craig Chaos is a vinyl enthusiast, a horror fan, and a purveyor of rare and odd pieces of sound that are kept well hidden in the secret crypt of chaos. 
Now I would normally tell you to email him, but instead, you can go listen to Craig himself on his brand new podcast, Uncommon Interests. Proving that every person contains multitudes and variables, the wide interests and opinions of Craig Chaos have compelled him to create this cornucopia of music and discussion that is Uncommon Interests. Head on over to Uncommon Interests dot libsyn dot com that's l-i-b-s-y-n dot com and subscribe to uncommon interests for this installment of killer cuts craig has given us jughead's revenge craig writes jughead's revenge were known as a straight-up punk band but every now and then they dabbled in surf music this instrumental surf track skag up my ass from their 1996 album images everything is a perfect example so here we go, Jughead's Revenge and Skag Up My Ass. This is Phil Pattison, producer and co-creator of Night of the Living Dead Live, and you're listening to Six Foot Plus.
that voodoo to turn your draft style into something supernatural? The twin power of VoodooSugar.com will put the magic back into your step. Pins, buttons, bags of all shapes and sizes, tees, stickers, magnets, and more. High quality, low prices. That's that's for one. one. VoodooSugar.com. Cool swag for the living and living dead. With the news breaking recently that David Lynch has resurrected Twin Peaks, now more than ever do we need to know the Path to the Black Lodge, and thus, Path to the Black Lodge by the Imperial Royales. Will the new Twin Peaks show be weird as all high hell? Yep. Will I spend the winter watching the original series? Maybe. Are we at all prepared for the unmitigated frenzy and pandemonium that can only be brought to you by the framing hand of a demented painter? No, I don't mean David Lynch. I mean Matt Patterson of the Monster Matt Minute. Ghoul Morning Maniacs. <laughs> 
Yes, that's right. It is I, your fiend, your drooly, Monster Matt Patterson, the man of a thousand bad monster jokes hailing all the way from Pennsylvania. Hey yo, and hey yo to you, sitting in the corner of the tomb. Oh, wait, you look rather familiar. Uh. Oh, I know who it is! It's October! Oh, October, I'm so glad you came back! <laughs> um, in fact, why don't you get a little closer? Yeah, even closer. Uh, come on down a little closer, closer to the stage. Uh, wait, not so close. Jeez, jeez, October, give a guy some room, would you? Um, anyways, maniacs, it is wonderful to be in October. Everything is as it should be. Halloween stuff, pumpkin everything, and um, some bad monster jokes. Ready? Here we go. With the success of Afterlife with Archie. I'm certain that there will be some other uh, spin-offs and uh, comic strip usages and horror combos. So, we dreamt up a couple just for you. How about bringing up Father from his grave? This is where Maggie deals with jigs and his afterlife adventures. <laughs> Oh yeah, then there's a Don D of the Dead. It's a comic strip about a zombified orphan. <laughs> Watch out for those little things. Uh, a maniacal bloodthirsty cat comic strip is called Gorefield. <laughs> Can you hear me? Meow. Um, Alright, then we have Beetle Boily. He's a soldier nominated for a Nobel Pus Prize. <laughs> oh yeah, then we have a comic strip called For Better or Curse, in which a family of voodoo priests and priestesses are living and cursing each other in Canada. <laughs> All right, and a couple of runners-up we had were Rex Morg, an MD, and Andy Decapitated. <laughs> oh, yeah. How about this? Let's try this. What could be scarier than R.L. Stein's Goosebumps? Well, any hint of another Eddie Murphy film starring the Clumps. <laughs> and finally, Maniacs, uh, I just got an invite for a Southern party from the 2000 Maniacs. Yes, it's all 2000 of them. It says RSVP only with regrets. <laughs> all right, Maniacs. Um, this past weekend, I was in Hamilton, Ontario for a comic convention it was the Hamilton Comic Con apparently there was between six and seven thousand people attending and it was remarkably cool um let's see what happened I got to meet Julie Newmar the Catwoman herself and presented her with a uh, a painting I did in watercolors and she was really cool about it took a photo and uh, I wound up getting that autograph for the guy I did it for and um, then I met the Incredible Hulk himself Lou Ferrigno 
and he was very cool as well. I did a painting of him oh, about five months ago, uh, Bill Bixby and him transitioning into the Hulk, and um, I showed it to him. We took a photo, and he was really, really um, appreciative of that, and uh, then... Mini-Me was there, Vern Troyer, Eddie Haskell uh, from Leave it to Beaver, a uh, bunch of wrestlers and stuff. It was a real blast, and I want to thank you, Town of Hamilton, for having me. It's always fun to be up there. I enjoy you Canadian fiends and maniacs. You know I do. And that's going to wrap it up. Until next time, maniacs, remember, Ouija board wishes and cadaver dreams. Bye-bye. This has been the Monster Matt Minute with Monster Matt Patterson. Congratulations. You survived. For more from the man of a thousand bad monster jokes, follow Monster Matt on Twitter at number one Monster Matt. That's the number one, Monster Matt. Keep track of Monster Matt's conventions appearances, his artwork, and info on his new book, Ha Ha Horror, over at his website, Ha Ha Horror, found online at hahahorror.com.
Listener, fiends and freaks that you are, did you watch Dead Still on Sci-Fi this past Monday? It featured Heather Buckley. Hopefully you DVR'd it and have been watching it on repeat ever since. And if you did watch, go to IMDB and write a review and leave a high rating. This will help it get back into the rotation over at Sci-Fi because we need to support independent horror and our friends. Speaking of our friends, we have an edition of Heather Buckley's Obscurities. Be forewarned, once again, there are some audio issues on my mic, but that's fine since I don't talk a lot during this because it's Heather's wisdom that we've come to listen to during these wonderful segments. And this time around, she talks about the movie Highway to Hell. So before we get all AC or DC, let's get HB with Heather Buckley's Obscurity. <laughs> Welcome to a spooky edition. Well, no, 
<laughs> Welcome to an extra holiday creepy Halloween edition of Heather Buckley's Obscurities. Normally, I pack up my bags and go trick-or-treating out at Buckley Manor in scenic, scary New Jersey. But this time around, Heather Buckley has come to us here at this cobweb-infused corner of the front office. Hello, and happy Halloween, Heather. Hello there. It's Halloween time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I think it was once referred to as, like, straight person, like, I think straight person pride parade by Dan Savage, but I think that's wrong. This is not for just, like, people to act silly and stupid and dress up. This is the monster time. It is. It's the, mon- it's the monster time of the year. It's what I look forward to every every year what everything sort of goes whatever it's, it's sort of like the crux of, of, of the year is, is is october 31st i will go to every single halloween store that i can while driving on the highways of the of the jurors mm-hmm. i'll always uh, i'll always walk the uh the, the halloween parade in new york city which i feel is where halloween converges most intensely yep for the uh, for the east village Halloween parade it's it's very important if I could grow jack-o'-lantern trees which I think if you put pumpkin seeds and glow sticks yes. I think you could grow jack-o'-lantern trees if I ever have a garden in my haunted house one day that 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 will be important so and I feel us as monster horror people mm-hmm. is that the world becomes a little bit more like us it and does we, and we become a little bit more valued because they ask us it's like what do you want to be for Halloween what should we watch yes. and I think we can help them a little bit with that well, it is, it, this is the time of year where they realize, yes, Heather Buckley, guide us, lead us. And who is Heather Buckley? Well, she is a journalist, a writer, and a filmmaker. Her writing has been featured in Fangoria and Dread Central, and she has worked on the films Circus of the Dead, Dead Still, and We Are Still Here. But she's an expert in all types of horror. And here at Heather Buckley's Obscurity, Obscurities, <laughs> She helps us find these films for this time of year. We put the spotlight on the often overlooked, often neglected films. Sure, you can go out and watch every single Friday the 13th, but then what? Then what? What exactly are we to watch this season, Heather? What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about a film which is not available on DVD. It's not? It's not available on DVD. You can get a bootleg copy from the VHS Preservation Society. Oh, where are they located? They're located on the internet or generally at a horror convention near you. Okay. But if you, like me, you bootlegged a copy of it when you were in your sort of mid-teens off HBO. Oh. <laughs> oh, Heather. Bootlegging at such a young age. <sighs> it's, made, it's made me the girl that I am today. So the, so the film is Highway to Hell. Mm-hmm. As following what we're what we're doing in this sort of section is again a, this is a film that has comedy in it yes. as well as lots of monsters, lots of horror, a limited budget, yeah, but lo- but lots and lots of heart. Okay, which is perfect for this time of year. And and and, and imagination. So um, this this film follows the story of two uh, two people that 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 love that love each other very very much. Aww. Played by Chad Lowe and Chrissy Swanson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have a Charlie and Rachel, oh, and they're gonna elope. Oh, gasp! 
And they're they're, in a, they're uh, so they go to this 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 gas station. Mm-hmm. And Richard Farnsworth. Okay. Old school actor. Yeah. Right. Plays Sam. Yeah. And he goes. It's like you're gonna. You need to go. There's uh there's some trees in the in the distance. Some Joshua trees. Go past them. Don't stop when you go through because they want they want to get gas. Both of them are really nervous because they're gonna elope. What if someone gets them? What if the police? Yeah. What if the police come by? And so what happens is it, that they go go through it. Something happens and a cop car appears out of nowhere. Well, oh. hell cop comes there. So hell whenever co- <laughs> hell cop hell cop hell cop played by C J Graham, who's played uh, J- Jason Voorhees before. Okay. So see, so he's very iconic looking, and if you've read your gore zones in uh, in years past, you may have seen him in a fold out poster. He's uh, completely bald. <laughs> he has all uh, sort of the laws of hell carved into his face and mirrored glasses on. And whenever I'm wearing my mirrored glasses, I tell people that those are my hell cop. Hell cop. Okay. And hell cop has handcuffs. And this is the beginning of a lot of the puns and fun that are in the film. So, of course, what would you think his handcuffs would be? I cannot imagine. Are they, oh, wait, are they made out of human hands? They are. They are. <laughs> They're made out of human hands. Kind of like zombie rotted hands that he sort of, so he, so he whisks Christy Swanson, Rachel away. Yeah to hell and now charlie is so concerned it's like how did this happen this guy came out of nowhere he took my girlfriend he took him to hell because he goes back to the gas station and of course it's like this has happened to the gas station's attendant before his his yeah. love was whisked away a long time ago mm-hmm. so he's he's known known of this and has been st- stuck there ever since so he, he gives him his classic car he said there's a special device in there you'll know when to use it and so charlie goes into hell yeah. So much like the other films that we discussed, yeah. Waxworks wa- and Waxworks, Waxworks, Waxworks Two, is that this is also a film that has very interesting set pieces and t- and tableaus. You have a great, a huge um, takes place in the desert, which is supposed to be like hell. They built like the big facade of a big casino okay. where Gilbert Gottfried plays Hitler. What? There's some great casting in this film. <laughs> And so he's sitting at his table saying he don't he doesn't belong here. So Charlie goes to all these different little places. Yeah. So he goes to this casino. There's these women dancing there with a whole bunch of sin. And and out outside of different places, there's 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 a diner where Hellcop goes to, of course, where mm-hmm. all these cops are stuck there with like handcuffs in their eyes that are actually like the metal handcuffs. Oh. You have um, wow. You have the entire Stiller family. Amy, Ben, and Jerry featured in this film. Really? Yes. Um, and Muir is uh, is sort of serving Jerry Stiller coffee and like yelling at him and stuff like that yeah. because all she wants, all he wants is some coffee. And Hellcop's there. Rachel tries to escape yeah. outside the diner. Is Jer- Jerry Stiller? And this movie was made in 1991. So this is before no one was famous. Yeah. And and they're yeah. all they're all in that little sort of section in the movie. So 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 you have gambling. A little, a, little, a, little, a little gambling set. You have a little diner set with all these cops being tortured. Yeah. You have a, a section where you have Andy, a whole bunch of Andy Warhols and all these women are getting off the bus. And of course, what are they doing? They're telling about all their great intentions because of yeah. course the road we, of hell is paved with... Great attempt- uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> and all the, all the, the special effects makeup because um, you have a lot of creature designs mm-hmm. are are done by uh, are, are 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 headed up by Steve Johnson, who oh. was who was very great special effects guy. 
from the 80s and 90s and now is now making a comeback on his, his project if we you know follow all the uh, special effects guys mm-hmm. on, on PEG on, uh, on Facebook practical effects group so he he tries to go through all these different adventures to try to get to, to Hell City yeah. to get his his girlfriend back and of course Satan there is played by Patrick Bergen what right? Because his career never took off how it was supposed to be. But he's here in this sort of wonderful film directed by um, A.D. Jong, if I'm saying his name correctly, who brought us Drop Dead Fred. <laughs> which, is not, which is not a good film in any respects and shouldn't, and shouldn't well, cast a parlor. I mean, it does have Rick Malik. Yeah, we, it, it, it's it's got its charm. Do you feel it has its charm? It spoke to you, Drop Dead Fred. I think it, I think it had some good intentions, which is great considering we're talking about Road to Hell or Highway to Hell. Excuse me. I don't think it's a horrible movie. I think there's a lot worse out there. I just think it it was interesting in its in its thesis, I should say. But you would not think that from the maker of Dro- Drop Dead Fred would actually bring you a movie where Leah Ford would jump, jump on top of someone's car and said, how did you get to hell? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. No, and then her, And then not. her boyfriend in the film, who is a crazy ice cream man, busts in and says, I'm going to scoop your brain. And then they have to, like, drive off. Like, that's, like, an actual scene in the film. Okay. It's just, it's, 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 it's another film that's incredibly insane mm-hmm. and charming. And it's, it's, there's nothing like it out there. Just from what you've told me, I'll, I'll, I mean, it's got the silliness with like the puns. Yes. yes. But it also seems to have this visual, like visceral kind of sense. Like if you were to walk into a diner and see a bunch of cops with handcuffs clipped into their eyes. Who look like, who look like zombies and have a lot of cobwebs on them. Yeah. yeah. And they have, and there's great cameos throughout the film. I mean, you just mentioned Lita Ford. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I think that the the cameo is a big part of comedy horror. Yeah. Because yeah. what we've not mentioned, of course, underneath the guise of comedy horror, which is someone who did it very well, mm-hmm. was John Landis. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. John Landis was very great with comedy horror, American Werewolf in yeah, London, yeah. and even his misses, which I enjoy, like things like Innocent Blood, mm-hmm. who actually. Steve Johnson is in that film with his with his then uh, his then wife uh, Lene Quibley. <laughs> they're he, they're actually in the in the in the scene where Don Rickles is in the hospital okay, okay. and is becoming a vampire and then sort of explodes into flames. Is that Lene Quibley plays the nurse and he kind of plays the orderly next to her and they're looking on as the, okay, okay. the special effects is coming that they're the insert shot. I'm just I uh, I. I, relive it, I have to, Jason. I, relive I don't it. think I've seen that movie because I think I would remember Don Rickles becoming a vampire and then bursting into flames. That I think that kind of thing sticks with a man. If we need to talk about innocent blood on one of the podcasts, I think we might have we to go back to that. So, in addition to what you've described, I mean, how are I mean, visually, this this sounds like it's a really intense. Well, I was going to go back to Landis for a second. Oh, is that oh. Landis, Landis, and also Joe Dante, yeah. Yeah. another king of of comedy horror that worked mm-hmm. like um, you know Gremlins and The Howling? Oh, yeah. They yeah. were very good at the cameo. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. Which brings us back to sort of the type of cameos that exist in this film. I feel cameos nowadays to compare and contrast to what they did in the 80s and 90s and what they're doing now. It's like mm-hmm. we have sort of like the chiller monster mania all-stars in film. Yeah. yeah. You know, Rob Zombie has like Bill Mosley, D. Wallace Stone, yeah, all, these, yeah. all these people show up in the show up in the film. They don't give them anything 
to do mm-hmm. and there's sort of like an overexposure rate because we can see them all the time it's like when the stillers showed up in your film yeah. they did something they did something but also it was for a specific person to know that this is the comedy family the stillers yeah, yeah. or even that gilbert godfrey is playing hitler and this was back in the i mean was yeah, this yeah. is back in 91. Yeah, he wasn't... He uh, he was not a reference of yeah, conversation one, like, to like, most uh, most people. It's like people probably got Leah Ford because, of course, the metalhead yeah, yeah. loves horror films. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're the first person to come to mind, I think, before uh, punk rockers who also love horror films. Yeah, metal and horror really went hand in hand. Punk sort of... I think, I, I mean, most punks probably just got into it with, thanks to uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw 2 and... Uh, Return of the Dead. Dead. Mm -hmm. Yes. But metal was all over the place with horror. All over the place. And I I think that, uh, I mean, when I talk to people like punk and their love of horror, I think Mm -hmm. it's a lot of the, that they adopt the gaze of the monster, the outsider and the killer. Because, of course, who who does Jason Voorhees like? The cheerleaders, the cops, the people who did him wrong. And I think it's more of the more of the power fantasy that they like and Mm -hmm. and enjoy the, the iconography, of course, with the, you know. They dress horrifying and spooky themselves, which, which I applaud and identify with, which is probably different than the, than the metalheads, but I haven't gotten in, in too depth with uh, folks who like metal and sort of why they like. Horror. Well, so who, who do you think that the, um, who's this film for? Because as we talked in the past, um, uh, Waxworks and Sundown, they kind of, it was an odd audience that they were playing to. They were, they had the the joy of the ensemble cast and the monster party, but it was a little too, it was, it was not young enough for the kids and it was a little, it wasn't tits and gore for the mainstream at that time. Who's this movie for? Same, same thing. I mean, there's not a lot of tits and gore. You have a full nude with sort of like hang, hang, hanging, uh, hanging sort of uh, hanging boobs, uh, demon. Yeah. Steve Johnson sort of demon. Okay. I mean that uh, maybe a young adolescent boy would would giggle at and think is is, is funny. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there's really no sexual reference in the film. It's not dark and and, and, and gritty. Mm-hmm. IMDb actually has it labeled as a fantasy instead of a horror film, but it was uh, covered in uh, in things like Gorezone magazine. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you have Steve Johnson doing 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 the effects, and there's a lot of a lot of demons in it. it. Actually, references mythology because you have a beautiful Sharon yeah. creature that's like rowing across the river Styx, bringing you into to, into Hell City. Well, there's it, a, there's uh, stop motion Cerberus. There is. There is. Cool. So you have stop motion work. You have practical practical effects. Mm-hmm. You have these great sets in art direction. Well, it does sound like uh, it emulates uh, the Orpheus myth with, um, well, I can't pronounce his wife, Eurydides or whatever. That's actually in there too, is okay. that he has to actually back out without looking back. He has to, he has to drive, he has to back out of hell without looking back. Yes. That is crazy. There, so that's, that's actually in there too. Well, that is good. And there, there, so there's these people in a Zente suits. That, that that come after him so it's like you're working at a low budget and you're working with as much as you can so i think you're yeah. working with character actors names certain ca- certain cameos of people that you could get probably at a certain level probably at, 
due to, due to budget yeah. or who you knew. And like the, the sets look like flats, which I love mm-hmm. because a lot of the film plays on the idea of artifice. Because I think we live in a world where Lord of the Rings, like you can see the, the 75 like orc in, in the background. You can see the stitching on his helmet. Yeah. This, it's obvious artifice. Yeah. You know, you're working with practical stuff. You're working with stuff motion. You're working with something that obviously looks like a flat, which mm-hmm. is something that I love very much. That's why I love movies like, uh, like, like, like shock treatment. Because oh, yeah. you know, you everything is a is a fake world. Yeah. It's 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 almost part of a. So I, it, he, probably not even in their mind, but a little bit like a French new wave. Like you never know that that the the that the world that you're in is trying to trick you. No, they're being very upfront and honest about it, but because they're... It's very theatrical. By well, by kind of letting the audience in, like, yes, we understand what we're creating here. It allows the audience to drop the expectation of try to career, try to convince me this is real. Exactly. Because I, I think they're another way of filmmakers of playing with their, with their budget mm-hmm. is doing that. It's like, instead of... Because I remember when I was very, very young and my, my first in- interest in having things look like a, like, look like a set, yeah. I was watching a, a production of Camelot mm-hmm. on, I think, PBS. And they were just dropping sets onto a, on a stage and, and actually Richard Harris was in, the, was in the production. And I thought it's so wonderful and almost more magical yeah. for it to work to work that way and i remember in something like dr parnassus or yeah. a lot of stuff that terry gilliam does mm-hmm. it's like this is i this idea of things being fake it's the ideas of, of using sort of like that that flat kind of look and this is found here in uh, and, highway to hell in, in highway to hell yes and again it is yet to find distribu- distribution I don't know why it hasn't found distribution. There are some people that know about this film. Most people who know about this film love this film desperately. There isn't anything else that's 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 like it again. Like mm-hmm. uh, they're taking sort of theories and themes, yeah, which are familiar. But the but the implementation is is is, is sort of new and unique and textured. And I've, I've watched it many many times, and I love just putting it on. It's again like a film you can put on the background. Or a film that you can enjoy, or a film that you can show other other people, mm-hmm. and they'll never see anything like this like this again. No, so, and some people in the right point of view could say like, "This is low rent. I don't like it," which is why I think you know the the kids today would understand it in an ironic sort of way. Mm-hmm. That's why I think like films like Waxworks One and Two, or The Sundown and the Vampire Retreat, or, or Highway to Hell, for if, if released today, yeah, it's like it's. The audience didn't exist then, and it doesn't exist now. I think the audience is is from an individualistic sort of sort of lens of how you view film and what you want from film. I think it's it's still more of a fragmented audience who can stand through this certain sort of comedy horror, who is a big fan of monsters, who likes to be on that journey, who likes that suspension of disbelief. Because you know, then when they talk about a lot of the a lot of the films like the like the Thing prequel, it's like the kids don't want to see practical effects. They don't think it looks real. Not that VFX looks more real, but sometimes that looks more correct to them. Yeah. It might be what they're responding to because it's what what they're used to. Yeah. And I don't know if, if any if any of the the young young youngins could watch Highway to Hell and think think it would be great. But you know, I would I, I would urge I would urge them to give this to to, to give all these films all these films a chance because I yeah. think they're films of sort of my generation to watch because mm-hmm. it's the it's it, 
practical. It's 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 monsters. It's before every monster didn't have to torture and kill and rape people. Yeah. They were still sort of like new and the monster could be like a little 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 Bambi thing coming out into the world and be embraced and loved. Mm-hmm. I mean if you think about the, the generation after me that they're that they're monster kids for, for Jigsaw. I mean that that's who they're that's who they're in in, 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 yeah. in love with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, you know, I'm a monster kid for someone like Leatherface, who wears a who wears a, a, a skin mask. But his characterization has always been a lot more like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, he was He's a kind of cuddly. Yeah, and he liked his family. Kissed he, a little he baby. Was a, he was a family man. Kissed a baby on the head in part three, so I can understand <laughs> him hanging out with Numbins. That would be fine. Well, and we've gotten. Well, what would you say are the monsters here? Like, what is Hellcop's motivation? Well, Hellcop's motivation is just he's, he's sort of the he's sort of the muscle. He's very silent. He's trying to get uh, get the uh, the the young uh, the young lady to uh, Rachel to to Hell City. Yeah. Because you know, Devil's always looking for virgins. Yeah, of course he of is. Of course. Of course. And uh, Patrick Bergen's character uh, uh, Bezel. Yeah. That he uh, he has a young a young kid who he wants to bring into the uh, into the world who will mm-hmm. be the next Antichrist. He's yeah. a very Family man. Family man. Family man. And then there's a there's a biker gang mm-hmm. who uh, one of the young women are is with the is actually the wife or the the girlfriend of of Richard Farnsworth character back oh, in yeah. of our dimension. Yeah. And they have swords, and are on <laughs> bicycles and are, and are on motorcycles like uh, you know Knight Rider. That is cool. And it's just it's just an ensemble of, of, of characters. There's not a huge amount of depth in their in their motivation. It's like you know the character is trying to go get his girlfriend back. Yeah, I mean, and, and these are the adventures that he goes through, like an like an odyssey. Yeah, that, it sounds like you don't really have to put a lot of depth into the story because you well you've got it right there. You've got the motive. You've got the classic story. You've got the classic hero's journey. Yes, it's a hero's journey. And do we see a hero's journey like this this anymore? I guess the last thing is like, oh brother. But still, that's on such a that's a, a, such a high budget. There's yeah. such minutia. This is someone trying to do a hero's journey, mm-hmm. and I mean, could could like Waxworks two maybe be a hero's journey sort of sort of dramatic structure? And mm-hmm. it's like, but you're doing it at a very low budget. And I don't think we see a lot of that hero's journey at a low budget because you have to create different environments for yeah. them to go into because that's that's the whole point and mm-hmm. i think people feel that you need to do that at a higher budget yeah. but these are people trying to work at this dramatic structure with a limited budget and i think doing it effectively and and and, and it's it's endearing so if for those who might be interested in actually seeing this and possibly maybe replicating the idea of doing a hero's journey having the sense of a horror movie you it's only locate it's only available through the, the vhs preservation society and that's just because we're waiting for some generous you know dvd company to actually distribute this film yes last time i talked to cj graham many many moons ago who played played hell 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 cop yeah he called me over because he wanted pictures of me i think i had long blue hair at the time mm-hmm. that's how long ago go go it was as i said like when is when is highway to hell coming out and he he just didn't even know so i, I maybe there'll be a, a fan push i mean there was a huge fan push for the video dead yeah back in the day yeah. i interviewed the young the young kid that wanted to make that happen and it finally 
Yeah, I got out like on Screen Factory with like Terror Vision, right? Exactly. So yeah. if if something like this had some sort of uh, fan push, yeah. maybe this this podcast could be the beginning. This will be the start of the roll. We'll get people to go and maybe we'll see Highway to Hell out on Screen Factory in a year or so. That's it. Seems like it would be an appropriate uh, label for it to go back to the go back to the negative, clean it up. Yeah, it's yeah. very pop. It's very it's very it's very fun. The people in the, in the film are, are great. I mean, just to see Gilbert Godfrey as Hitler alone, if that doesn't sell seeing Highway to Hell, what, what would? I what think, more could I say? <laughs> I think if anything can put somebody in the Halloween mood, it's Gilbert Godfrey as Hitler. Charlie and Rachel thought they were on the road to happiness. Nobody knows we're getting married, Charlie. <laughs> but in the wee hours of the morning... Heading for Las Vegas? When the white line blends into the black void, be careful which road you take. You'd be a lot safer on the interstate. For there's no turning back. Where the hell did he come from? Rachel! When you're on the highway to hell. This highway to hell. Now, Satan's got his woman, and if he's to get her back, Charlie's gonna have to race with the devil. Not the Kansas anymore. your exit point. If you make it, you're free. If not, you're mine. I'm not You'll never keep Patrick Bergen of Sleeping with the Enemy. Now we'll have some fun. In Highway to Hell. This is not ordinary horror, comedy, action, adventure.
This is Edward Douglas of Midnight Syndicate, and you are listening to Six Foot Plus.
was The Loveless. They'll be playing with The Big Bad, Harley Poe, and Silent Horror at The Horror Hound Records Halloween Bash on November 1st in Cincinnati. Head on over to the Northside Tavern if you happen to be in the area. And if you're not in the area, then get into your car and drive. And that'll wrap it up for this episode of Six Foot Plus. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Barring any delays or flat tires, we should have an episode for you every Friday for the rest of October and beyond. In the meantime, keep track of all things we're doing by talking to me on Twitter at Six Foot Plus. It's the number six, F-T-P-L-U-S. And read Gravedigger's Local 16, found online at gravediggerslocal.com. We're deep into our Halloween season with plenty of fantastic content to keep your Halloween tank full. We may be at the end of the episode, but we've got plenty of ground to cover before we're out of this October country. I remember seeing King Sickbilly play this song and talking about how sometimes you're on the road and you end up in places like Baltimore and New Haven and all you really want to do is go home to your bed, your significant other, and your cat. And his cat is named Frankenstein. I know that because he's on Instagram. And Frankenstein is a fantastic name for a cat. So we'll end with King Sickabilly and his full moon boys. A hundred miles to go. Until next time, dear listener, remember, hands at ten and two and keep your eyes on the road. I got a hundred miles to go. Wish I could stay here and rest I got a dollar in my pocket full tank of gas I got a kink in my neck I got a hundred miles to go Before I see my bed But within those miles there ain't no smiles When my fingertips turn red I'll see angels dancing in my head When I walk up to your bar, you'll see why I hate to drink. I got no time to sit and cry, but it sure does make me think about all you passerbys who love to sit and watch me sing and tell that I'll just sing my life away. Until then, I'll just drink my life away and hope my words will someday somehow say. Yeah, the past is still the same if you're too late. 
Episode 123, Next Exit, October Country. This has been Six Foot Plus, a GDL 16 production. To support, subscribe, rate, review, and recommend Six Foot Plus. The theme song, Carpe Nocto, performed by the Madeira. Shavala, Yvonne. Urban Graveyard Lounge music, performed by Kava Khan. Mahalo. Monster Matt Patterson of the Monster Matt Minute can be found online at hahahorror.com. Heather Buckley appeared courtesy of Liberty and Prosperity, as well as Blood and Guts. To find out about all the music you heard on this episode, as well as all past episodes and all those important links, go to Six Foot Plus. That's the number six, F-T-P-L-U-S dot com. <laughs>